Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Oasis Church. My name, my name is Jim. I'm an elder here. Morning. As a church, our mission is to help people become and grow into mature disciples of Jesus. We believe a disciple should seek God, belong to community, and serve the world. Seek, belong, and serve. I'd like to welcome any guests who are here with us visiting today, whether in person or online. If this is your first time here physically, we'd like to give you an Oasis coffee mug as a gift to the, the fact that you're here. Uh, if this is your first time joining us online, uh, please let us know by filling out a connection card on the Connect With Us tab on our website, which is www.celebratethejourney.org. For those of you here, you can find the connection cards on the center back table. We don't ask for this information to pester you too much, but to provide you with some important information about Oasis in order to help you decide if this is where you want to or God wants you to fellowship. If you have any questions about anything today, when anything you hear or anything that you been thinking about uh, spiritually, just ask anyone, and if they don't know the answer, they will direct you to somebody who does. The connection cards can also be used to sign up for our weekly email with a link to our newsletter, or you can text the keyword newsletter to the number on the screen. The email is the best way to keep up to date on all that's going on at Oasis. There's a prayer box in the back table to my right. Um, where you can uh, write your prayer needs on a card and put it in the box. Um, we have this opportunity there, mainly for those who don't feel comfortable speaking to somebody else about. Um, we have people available up here that would pray for you also, but if you feel uncomfortable verbalizing to somebody these prayer needs, put them in the box there. You can keep it as anonymous as you want or give us as much information as you want. Um, and there's a small uh, team of dedicated prayer warriors who will pray over those. And if you have an answered prayer, if there's an update on anything we prayed about, please feel free to write a card uh, updating us on those prayer needs. Um, each week, um, oops. Oh, sorry, uh, if you're online, uh, please visit the prayer page and fill out the prayer request there and let us know whether this is to be confidential or um, to the whole church. The cards that are in the box back there that are put in are kept totally confidential on the small prayer team. Uh, we gather together for prayer on uh, the first Tuesday of every month at seven right here in the sanctuary. This is an opportunity to build community as well as experience the power and presence of God together. Our next community prayer is October 5th. We believe that supporting the local church through the giving of tithes and offerings are biblical truths, whether you're here in the sanctuary or sitting at home. If you are here with us, there's a wooden box in the wall there we call the joy box by the back doors where you can place your tithes and offerings. If you are at home, you can mail your tithes and offerings to the church building or go to the gift tab, gift tab on our website and set up a one-time or recurring offering amount. Great news, Coffee And is back today. 
And thank you very much, Sandy Ritchie, for stepping up and providing this week's coffee and. Um, Tony Morrissey, if Tony, would you please stand just so people. Tony has volunteered graciously to head up the coffee and, um, and she's still in need of people to sign up. Uh, if you wanna make this happen, thank you, Tony. If you wanna make this happen, we all need to be uh, participating. Um, I don't know if this has been mentioned otherwise, but Dennis really wants to keep this coffee and manageable, which means there's no 12 course meals needed or wanted or necessary. We want this to be a time of fellowship, not showing off your culinary skills. And just let's keep it manageable so expectations don't get out of whack. Um, just a reminder, also the first Sunday of each month is the day that everyone who is participating in coffee and provides something for that. That's a bigger to-do. Some things coming up. Um, I'm gonna be leading an in-person Bible study here in the sanctuary. Um, it's using a book called Four Views of the End Times by Timothy Paul Jones. Um, It'll be on Thursday, starting Thursday, September 23rd at 7 p.m. 7 p.m., it's not here, but uh, running through October 28th. You can sign up by uh, seeing the link in the newsletter, and it'll get right to Christine, and she'll uh, pass that along to me. Uh, once she has everybody signed up, she's gonna order the books. Uh, I don't recall how much they are. But, um, so the books will be here, bring money the night you come, or we'll probably get them earlier. We'll see what happens. Um, join us here on October 10th and November 7th for uh, Sunday worship nights. This is a chance to get together for just a free time of worship, worshiping our God through music and prayer. Child care will not be provided, but children are welcome to attend and Praise the Lord with us. Another big thing, the men's breakfasts are back. Make plans to gather for fellowship and food on September 24th and October 30th and December 4th. Those are the first three that we've set up trying to dance around the holidays. We are in the process of finalizing guest speakers for these um, men's breakfasts and the sign-up sheet for the men's breakfast is located on the table at the rear of the sanctuary so gentlemen check that out please sign up women are you looking for a spiritual hour or two each week then join the women of Oasis each Friday morning at 1030 for prayer companionship and even a little bit of food you are welcome to bring something to share with the group Oasis is pleased to provide an online Bible study from Right Now Media each month. In September, we are offering Facing Anxiety by Jonathan Pokluda. And I believe I skipped over something here. Yes, and I can't find where it was. <laughs> okay. Are you looking for a place to gather with friends and work on your knitting, crocheting, cross-stitch, rug hooking or other forms of needle art, then join us for Sit and Knit on the first and third Wednesdays of the month, beginning this coming Wednesday, September 15th, for fun, fellowship, and fiber. 
bring a refreshment to share. If you need more info or have a question, call Christine at the office, and the number is on the screen, I believe, 203-439-0150. And here comes Dennis. Oh. I don't know if you should have hooks. All right, before we get going, I want to address something um, culturally that's kind of taking place. Um, there is, seems to be with this COVID um, pandemic, a lot of um, talk about vaccines and who's getting vaccines and who's not getting vaccines and masks and mask mandates and vaccine mandates and all of these different things that are taking place. And I just want to let you know where we, what's that? Is that me? I want, I want to uh, let you know where we fall um, as a leadership in the church. Um, first, what I would like to do is let's stop talking about vaccines. Let's stop talking about who is vaccine, vaccinated and who's not vaccinated. Um, it's really none of my business who is or who's not, and it's none of your business who is and who's not. And so um, maybe we can just stop asking um, about being vaccinated. We are not going to, that's gonna be a little annoying. We are not going to be mandating anything here at the church. Um, I believe that you are adults, and if you are not an adult, you're probably sitting next to your adult, and you can do your own risk assessment, and you can make the decision on whether or not you want to wear a mask or not wear a mask, uh, whether you want to be vaccinated or not vaccinated. I, and, and, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not anti-vaccine. I have been vaccinated. I don't believe it's the mark of the beast. Um, it's, it's, it's medicine. You, the, the data says you have a 99% chance of not going to the hospital or not dying if you're vaccinated. Okay, fine. There was a, a, a statement made that the vaccinated are becoming angry with the unvaccinated. I'm not angry. The leadership here isn't angry. You're adults. You, we do risk assessments all the time. Every day when you get in the car, we do risk assessments. And so we're not going to push anything on anyone. And my hope is that we as a church do not push anything on anyone. And so you want to be vaccinated? Be vaccinated. If you don't want to be vaccinated, don't be vaccinated. I'm not worried about the unvaccinated. You know why? I'm vaccinated. If I get it, I'm going to get a cold. Now, we can... You can transmit this virus if you're vaccinated or if you're unvaccinated. Okay, so it's, the, 
it, it's just, it, we have to mind our own business. That's what I'm getting to. So let's not let's not make vaccines, COVID, uh, masks, any of that an issue. We want to, uh, as Mike Gadwall says, we're going to show grace to everyone, and, and that's who we are. We're, we're supposed to be a church of grace, and so um, let's just stop. I, I'm not saying it's taking place here. I, I'm sorry. I, I, it sounds like I'm, I'm saying this is going on. I don't want it to start taking place here because it feels like more division is being ramped up right now in our country. And a house divided will not stand. That's what the Word of God says. And so, and especially with something um, that is a very personal decision for people, whether or not you want to be vaccinated. And so, um, let's just leave it alone. When we're here, we're going to focus on Christ. And when we're together out there, we're just going to focus on relationships and each other and how do we love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And how do we love those people out there as brothers and sisters, as, as people of Christ? How do we love those that are, are not following Jesus? That should be really our focus. If you're, if you, if you're on one end or the other, that's great. But just keep that to yourself. Don't um, project your decisions and or your beliefs on anyone else. Um, and just for the record, I do not, like I said, I do not believe that uh, the vaccine is a mark of the beast. I didn't hear it either, but um, it's, it's, it's been a question. So, so are we good with that? Like, did I, I, I hope I, I hope I came across like I, I really wanted to because I don't want politics to be involved. I don't want division to be involved. I want us to focus on Christ and what he's doing um, in our lives. Are we good? Is that cool? Yeah? Okay, good. Um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to launch. Father, I want to thank you for the love that you have for your people and for the whole world because your word says that uh, you so love the world that you gave Jesus. And so it's not just your church that you love, but you, you want everyone to come to a saving knowledge of your son. And uh, I, I pray that you would empower us as a church to do that. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have caused this word to be written and you have protected it through um, thousands of years. You, you've kept this word uh, moving and, 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 and uh, available to your church here. We don't take that for granted, God. I pray that we would never take that for granted. So, Lord, this morning, I pray that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, would be acceptable in your sight, my rock, my redeemer. Amen. Amen. All right, so I want to start going, I want to start a new series-ish. Ish. I want to start working through the book of, um, the book of James. I call the book of James the book of spanking because every time I read it, I, I feel God gently yet very fatherly put his boot across my buttocks when I read it. And, and it really kind of um, brings me to this place of putting, putting me in line um, with, with, with his word. Now, I say that um, we're going to do this through the book of, of James, but I'm not going to be militant about it. You know, I might skip some verses here or there. Uh, I might not. But what I want to do is I want to leave room for the Holy Spirit to interject into work. 
So we have, you know, um, Advent's coming up in a few months. Christmas is around the corner. I don't want to be locked into this, but this is the book of James is what we're going to go back to um, over the next bunch of months as the Holy Spirit gets to interrupt us. Um, so that God bless you. Um, now, the, the book itself, it's actually a letter, it's not a book. Uh, the letter of James, um, probably the oldest in the New Testament, according to some scholars, written before uh, AD 49 or the, or the Council of Jerusalem. That's this listed in the scripture. Um, and and that's, that's, um, that's interesting. And the reason why I mention that is because the book of James was written before Paul. And so before Paul's writing on faith and works, James comes out and he writes about faith and works. And sometimes it's been said that the two contradict each other because James says, you show me faith without works, I'll show you dead faith. And then Paul says, well, wait a minute, you've been saved by grace through faith. And so there feels like there's a contention between the two, but they're actually complement each other. James speaks of faith in a very subjective way, meaning faith is trust, faith is confidence in God. And so that trust and that confidence can um, manifest itself in different ways, and there's different levels in, in as we grow. Paul, on the other hand, he speaks of faith as more objective, like faith. Faith is the thing that you need uh, to be justified before God. It's, it's the only thing that justifies you. You have been saved through grace, I'm saved by grace through faith. Faith is the only way we get to God uh, in Paul's mind. And James says, well, yes, but faith has to work itself out in our lives. James, as he writes, he, he, he has a very different approach from Paul. Paul would write his letters, and he would he presents his case theologically in the first parts of his letters. And then he goes, and he, and he kind of fleshes out, okay, what does this theology look like in our everyday life? You see this in the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 11. Paul is laying down some theology. He's correcting. He's establishing. And then 12 through 16, he talks about what that looks like in life. You see it again in Ephesians chapters 1 through, I believe, 3. Uh, he, he states his case theologically, and then 4 through 6, he'll talk about what that looks like in the believer's life. How does theology, which is great to study, but if it has no uh, determining factor on your life, is kind of a wasted pursuit. So he takes theology and says, this is what it looks like to live out this certain theology. Now, James is very different. He comes right out of the gate with Okay, you need to do this. You need to, this is what this is what it it looks like. The dominant theme throughout the entire letter is James saying, "A faith, I, I, I don't want to say real faith, but it, but a, a grounded biblical faith um, is a faith that manifests itself in the life of a believer. It's a faith that manifests itself." in the life of a believer. Faith is not some quiet aspect, or it shouldn't be some quiet aspect of my life. It should be noticeable. I should be engaging it, living it. People should notice my faith. And so James describes what it means to live it out loud. He's talking about um, something that's visible. He's talking about something that's productive. 
something that's that's viable and has life to it. And I'm telling you, if if there's been a time in our world where the world needs the lights of Christ-like faith in people to shine into the darkness, man, it's it's now. It's now. There's some 54-ish imperatives. Do this or do that in the letter of James. 54 times he tells us how this faith should look as it works itself out in our life. So what I want to do is we're just going to look at the first four verses today. uh, And then um, I'm going to read those four and then we'll kind of go back and we'll unpack them. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Verse 1 a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus. James was the blood brother of Christ. Half-brother. So they shared Mary as their mom. Jesus, he was born of the Spirit in Mary. James was born at the decision of man. And so he's not God, not half-God. He's just a man. But he had this relationship with Jesus that few, few had. Most scholarship puts him in the upper room during Pentecost. He became the the leader of the church in Jerusalem. In fact, he chaired the council of Jerusalem in uh, AD 49. But just just imagine that, like, he grew up with Jesus. Do, Do you... We, 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 I'm on a, I'm a, I'm a rabbit trail here for a second because I was just thinking about this. You know, in children, there is a, um, there's this, this age of reason or something like that where you really can't hold kids accountable esque when they're really, really young. And so, and it's really not considered, I guess it could be sin or sin nature, but like, do you ever think about what Jesus was like as a kid? Was he like a perfect little kid or did he? argue with his brothers or poke him in the eyes or did he get poked in the eye because he was Jesus all the way through I, I just I, you know I just think about these things but James ate at the same table as Jesus they shared a earthly father on earth and 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 so we lose Joseph in, in the in the biblical narrative but I would I would imagine that when he died both Jesus and James and the other brothers and sisters they they mourned over the death of their father and they 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 uh, supported mom because that's what they did back in that uh, culture when the dad died it it fell onto the sons and so James could really kind of he can kind of beef up this introduction a little bit like James half brother of the Lord Jesus the one who beat him in that race down the hill and we watched TV together and we listened to music went to concerts all of these things he doesn't use any of that he just comes out and says I'm a servant I'm a servant of God I'm a servant of Jesus there's this humility in this man that I think um, it brings him or allowed him to come into that place before God that he was going to write Holy Scripture. 
he's writing to Jews kind of uh, dispersed because of war and lost battles. And so these Jews are in uh, Mesopotamia, Mediterranean, Asia Minor, Europe. But he's not just writing to Jewish community. He's writing to the Jews who have put their faith in Jesus. And so these are Jesus followers that he's talking to. Now, Jesus followers uh, within the Jewish community, they were not looked, at, looked upon with much favor. In fact, they were kind of, well, hated. They were rejected. They were persecuted by their own people. In fact, that persecution became so severe that even the Gentiles got in on it because no one would protect these Christian Jews or these Jew Christians. Their possessions would be stolen. They would be beaten. In fact, if, if you kind of uh, figured out the socioeconomic status of people back in those days, these Jewish Christians were considered lower than a slave. And so they didn't have a very good standing within any of the communities. To say that they were having a difficult time would really be an understatement. And then James comes out, and so he knows what's going on, and they're suffering. And he comes out with this kind of, um, it feels a little irrational to me, maybe a little cold or hard. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. Now remember, these aren't, um, oh darn, my car has a flat tire trials and, and I'm going to be late for work. This is your life trials. It would be like us telling now, telling the Christians who are living in Afghanistan, hey, consider it all joy that the Taliban are now in power. Don't worry about it. I mean, that's what it kind of feels like, that, that he would actually um, speak what feels to be a, a very cold statement. You know, and, and I don't know about you, but me, I don't like trials very much. I don't like being uncomfortable. Challenges kind of frustrate me sometimes. And, and I try to avoid at all costs being physically accosted by anything. But James is saying, wait, when those, those very things that you're trying to avoid, when they happen to you, I've encountered all joy. And I think, what in the world is going on? And as with me, I have to go to that place where I have to understand first what he's not saying so I can get a grip on what he's actually trying to tell us. And what he is not telling us is that when things are really hard, when things are falling apart around you, that you have to enjoy what's taking place. He's not telling us we have to enjoy it, we should be happy, high-fiving. It's not, he's not telling us that trials and challenges are a happy experience and, and just to suck it up because you should be enjoying it. This is not what he's getting at. And so he's not saying to us, hey, um, you know, when you lose your job to that younger person who's less qualified because they can pay that person less, you should, you should be happy about that. Or, or you should rejoice when you found out that your neighbor's child was in a car accident and was really hurt in the hospital. This, this is not what he's, what he's getting at. He's moving us towards a very specific understanding that we as followers of Jesus Christ, we are going to go through difficult times. Not only difficult times for our faith, but just difficult times in general. Because, because why? Because everybody goes through difficult times in this life. 
it's, it's a natural occurrence of the fallen world. But there is part of our faith when, when trauma is introduced to us that we can find a place of this undergirding of, of joy. Joy is not based on circumstances or situations. Joy is, is a thing that we can have that can run uh, um, just through everything in our life. But there has to be, I found that there has to be a very, on our part, a deliberate remembering of who we are in relationship to God, in relationship to Christ. That's where the process of, of joy begins. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, verse 4, he, um, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 7 and verse 4, he writes this, In all of our afflictions, he says, I am overflowing with joy. Acts, the book of Acts, the apostles are kind of arrested, they're brought in uh, to the religious leaders, and they get yelled at, and they get beaten, and they're told not to preach or speak in the name of Jesus ever again. And then in Acts chapter 5, it says they, they leave and they're rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. And so there's this, this undergirding of joy, even in the context of, of being persecuted for faith. But then I got to thinking, well, what if? What if, what if, I'm, what if it's not um, a challenge or something happening because of my faith? What if, just, if it's just life? What if the, the attacks come from just living life in general? Something happens to my family or something happens to my job or, well, I guess you would all know if something happens to my job or something happens in, in, to your home or in your home. Is joy, what, what uh, James is talking about, is it really possible? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. But it's not a joy that we can just muster up ourselves kind of just reach down and you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps suck it up buttercup move on this is not something we muster in ourselves this comes from trusting god this comes from trusting his word this comes from trusting christ and who i am who god says i am because of jesus this is the basis and the foundation for where we find our joy Joy is released, if I could use that word, when we take the time to remember. To remember that you are loved beyond what you can understand. To remember that nothing can separate you from that love. To remember that Christ died for me. He died for you. And that I have been reconciled back to the creator of everything. This is the foundation of our joy. Now, please remember, I'm not talking about being happy. Happy is circumstantial. We ebb and flow in happiness, that's natural. Um, um, I'm not talking about um, believing that everything is gonna go exactly the way that I planned it and according to the timeline that I have prayed about. 
I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes I find that prayer doesn't quite work that way. I've always thought that if God would just kind of play by my rules, that the world would be a better place, but he hasn't got that memo yet, and so we're still working that out. This is about conviction. Conviction that my faith in Christ is the platform in which God is going to give me the courage, the strength, the power, the anointing to get through each and every day, to get through this day. And all of those things, all of that power, it's, we, can all, we can sum it or, or melt it down to one word. His grace. He gives us His grace. Joy is the direct result of pressing into this free gift that we have been given called grace. Now, what's important here is to um, get a hold of, he doesn't say, um, if you meet trials, then count it all joy. It's a when. It's They're going to come. He knows it. We know it. There's no escaping them in this world. It's a fallen world. It's a broken world. But pressing into the promises of God, remembering the promises of God, speaking them out loud so you can hear your voice proclaiming the promises of God. This is the foundation of building joy into your life. Now, and in fact, it's I want I want to make sure that I do this because I don't want anybody to forget these little cards here. Peggy and Kurt turned me on to these a while ago. These are cards that say who I am in Christ. God's promises. They are they are verses about how you are accepted. Verses about how we are made secure in Christ, and verses how significant each and every one of us is in Christ. Does anyone want one? Pass them around, please, because it's important that we live this life of joy. Because that's what the world is going to see. Joy going once, going twice. Here we go. Haha, ha, Brian can't follow me back here. Oh, thanks, sir. Two. Take three. They're small. Two. Three. Ah! Anyone else? I'm going to leave. I see a hand over there. Oh, no, okay. I'm going to leave these around so you can get them. This is the foundation of joy that we would understand the promises of God. These promises are spoken about us, who we are. Say that again, Beth. In Christ, who we are. I'm God's child. I'm Christ's friend. I've been justified. I'm united with the Lord. I've been bought with a price. I belong to God. I'm a member of Christ's body. I love this one. I'm a saint. Boom. Drop the mic. I've been adopted as God's child. I have access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven. I am complete in Christ. And it goes on. This is the foundation of joy. Remembering those promises when it all hits the fan. 
remembering that grace is just available to each and every one of us. And God isn't stingy with his grace. As much grace as you want, he will pour out on you. Well, James continues in the next couple of verses. He says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I don't know about you, but, but many of the trials and challenges that I face in life, um, they, it, it, they have the capacity to test my faith, to question those promises on that card. The, the, the two of the big ones for me are, um, is God really good? And another one for me is, does he really love me? I mean, would he, you know? And so I have to struggle with those in my own brain sometimes. But the testing of faith is not necessarily a, a bad thing. I mean, it, it can be if you let it get to you, but also it can be a positive thing because it can strengthen us. It can strengthen who we are. It produces steadfastness. Maybe we can use the, um, the terms, that means staying power, endurance for the next thing, a fortitude that keeps us moving in the, in the right direction in spite of all the circumstances. I like to just boil it kind of down, that big word steadfastness to say, it's about being spiritually tough. It's about a, a spiritual toughness. The testing of our faith produces a spiritual toughness. Think of uh, MMA, mixed martial arts. I like to watch that because I think that I just want to wait for one of those guys' ears to explode. You ever see those big cauliflower ears? I digress. Anyway, um, so you got an MMA guy, and he's in the ring, and he's getting beat up. But yet he continues to fight, and he continues to train, and he continues to press in, and he doesn't give up. And you watch him, and you can watch him get better and better and get stronger, gets wiser, gets faster. This is, this is what the, the, uh, the, the pressing in to a trial with faith does for us. Yes, you might get beat up the first time, but you press in and you hang in there. And then the next time, it's, it's a little bit easier. You know where to go to. In, in uh, Old Testament, in the story of David, there's two times that he says, and David strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened, he went back to, I believe, it doesn't say, it doesn't tell us how, but I, I believe David went back to the promises that God gave him. Went back to that day that he was anointed as king, but yet he wouldn't become king for years. In fact, he had a really tough 13, 15 years being chased by Saul, um, almost being killed a few times. Another example could be lifting weights. Unless there's enough tension, unless, unless there's enough weight more than it's comfortable, you don't get stronger. In fact, if you just lift the same weight over and over again, you'll stay in, you'll stay toned. You might get an ab once in a while but you get stronger by putting more weight, more resistance, and pushing against it. Faith works the same way, that we would not give in, give up, or roll over, but that we would look head on into whatever it is, and that we would um, attack it first with the promise of who you are in Christ, the promises of God over, over your life. I think, yeah, I, I was 
trying to think, um, how does God look at us when we go through trial? Like, how does he look at me? And, and I was brought back to a story of, of my daughter when she was very young. And I think I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. She was small, like um, five, maybe four or five. And she wanted to close the refrigerator door. But she held the door like like this. So this is this is where the refrigerator and, and, and she would close it and, and I could see that her fingers were gonna get caught in the door. I said, Oh no 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 Megan, you're gonna eh. she went to close the door again. Megan, you're gonna eh. and I'm like, Okay. And so she closed the door, her fingers between the door and the refrigerator, and you know that 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 suction noise that's that's made from the refrigerator. Well her face just went and she screamed and she cried. And I'm, in our house, the common phrase was, how's that treating you? Because we try to tell them. Um, but, but I'm wondering, like, like sometimes we have to let our children find out for themselves. We have to, if, if we protected them from every single thing, they would lack the, um, the strength, uh, the, the uh, confidence to move forward in life. I believe God kind of works the same way. I'm not talking about horrible, horrible tragedy. I'm just talking about every day, oh, these things are grinding on me, things. That, that he lets us go through these things because it will strengthen us if we let it, if we press into it, if we don't run away from it, if we don't, if we don't waste it. God says, you know, sometimes I got to let them make mistakes. Sometimes I gotta let Dennis make some mistakes so so he will learn to rely on me and not on himself or those people or that bank account or whatever it is. My son and I, when when he was younger, we um, we used to hunt, not hunt. We used to um, collect monarch butterfly. Uh, caterpillars and or eggs you can find them on the upside down of um, milkweed a little little white thing we used to collect those bring them in we had a box for them uh, we would hatch those eggs we would feed them to the caterpillars got they get to the size of your pinky I and mean, they're huge they would crawl up to the top of the box they would make a chrysalis they would hatch and we would be releasing butterflies if you help that caterpillar well it's not a caterpillar anymore if you help it break free from the cocoon, you will kill that butterfly. The struggle is what makes it strong enough so once one it gets out, that it actually has to pump its wings full of butterfly juice so they're real wings and it can fly away. If you help them out of the chrysalis, they do not have the strength then to pump their wings up and fly away, you will kill them. The struggle is what strengthens them. I was, I, I, I remember hearing um, that uh, you, you shouldn't help a chicken hatch from its egg. And so I had to research and I looked into it. And they're right. Um, in 99% of the cases, you let the chicken hatch itself. Why? Because the struggle is important that it strengthens itself for when it gets out of the egg. Same with us. The struggle is important because it causes us to press into the things of God, which then makes us stronger. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Perfect and complete. I'm going to sum up those two words with one word, mature. 
that we become spiritually mature. Toughness produces in us a spiritual maturity. And when it's talking about um, being perfect, it's talking about a, a personality that has that has fully developed, not in perfection, but but a, a mature personality. So it's 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 about being um, rounded out. It's not just you know you're you're just one way, but but it's it's about um, maturing is about rounding out your personality. That as we mature, more and more of the righteous attributes of Jesus kind of are embedded into us, and we begin to live those things out more and more. Understand, it's not the trial that matures us; it's the pressing in, it's the steadfastness that that then produces the toughness in us that that we go on. So it's not it's not the trial, like ooh, I got another trial. No, it's how we respond to that trial. It's how we respond to that aggravation. And so when things hit the fan, like things have over this past year and a half, and I think things are be things are always going to hit the fan. That's the world we live in. But it's in those times when, when we're economically or financially stressed, we've been disappointed or we've been criticized and we have pressures at work, um, illness maybe in the family or yourself, or even an attack on our faith. It's in those times that we can look to him and be touched by his grace. Touched by his grace, which is the courage, the strength, the fortitude, the discernment to press on and move forward. I read once that um, a pearl from an oyster, a pearl, and I quote, is a victory over irritation. A piece of sand gets into the oyster, it irritates the oyster, the oyster corrects it by something from within them kind of um, covers that, and we have a pearl. God showed me that I have the opportunity to make pearls every day by covering the things that come at me, that irritate me, that frustrate me with the love of God. The love of God is within me. It's without me. And if I can take the love of God that's within me and wrap that irritation with that, I will find myself less irritated and a better witness for Christ. Watch the irritation fade when the love of, of, of God is applied to whatever you're going through. Church, we have to exercise faith. Unfortunately, exercising faith takes place in the midst of trial, tribulation, hardship. Those things can lead us to a spiritual maturity. But even in that place of being spiritually mature, I'm going to tell you this about that. You're, you're not going to arrive. You're not going to get to this place where nothing ever frustrates you, irritates you, gets under your skin. It's just not going to happen. Life is filled with ups and downs, filled with testing. Irritation comes our way. Please understand the trials that you suffer 
challenges that are coming at you, they are not there because God is mad at you. Even if God has allowed something very specifically to take place that has caused you um, a challenge or irritation, it's not because he's angry at you. It's because he may be allowing discipline to fall on you. And it says that a son who is loved, a daughter who is loved, that's who the father disciplines. And so we press in and we press on. My prayer is that, for me, that someday I'm going to get to that place of spiritual maturity. Someday. Hopefully it's before God calls me home. And Someday. But in the 